it is incredibly difficult to watch a loved one battle a substance use disorder. Whether you're just starting to see some red flags or it's already life-consuming, there are ways you can still help, even if it feels hopeless. To talk with us today about substance use disorders is Laura Dahl, the Assistant Program Director of Family Services at Ashley Addiction Treatment. This is the Healthy Hero Podcast from UM Upper Chesapeake. I'm your host, Caitlin White. So Laura, how can we tell if our loved one has a substance use disorder? That's a really good question. In order to tell if a loved one has a substance use disorder, it's not really clear cut. First, we, we have to begin to understand that it is a disease. So notice we're using the language substance use disorder. When we understand that it's a disease, that means that it's not a moral failing on this person's part or the family's part. And therefore, the brain has changed. The person no longer has the choice as to whether or not they're going to use the substance. It impacts the dopamine levels of the brain. So for instance, where what would normally bring me pleasure, you know, maybe going to work, hugging my kids, doing things for myself, none of that no longer brings me pleasure. Only the drug brings me pleasure. Also, when we think about discerning if my loved one could have a substance use disorder, it's important to ask ourselves some questions. The first one would be, is it causing problems? Problems could be financial. It could be lack of following through on commitments. It could be really compromising a relationship and not being there. Another red flag that I think is glaring is when our loved ones have experienced negative consequences due to drug use. That could be, you know, getting a DUI. It could be just getting in an argument with a loved one. Maybe it could get physical or words being said that are completely really hard to forget or come back from. And even in those, with those natural consequences, they still continue to use. That is a huge red flag if your loved one is using. When I have friends come to me and ask me, you know, hey, Laura, I think my husband drinks too much. And, I, you know, I, I'm not sure. Is, is it substance use disorder? The first thing I say to them is sit down with your loved one. It could be over dinner. Just you two so that it doesn't feel like there's an audience present. And point out to them, be very specific. I notice you're not spending time with your daughters anymore. I noticed that we're not as close as we once were. I'm wondering if it is the alcohol. So I wonder if for a month you would be able to sit it down and let's see what happens during that month. The response and the reaction is going to speak volumes. If my loved one gets defensive, if they begin getting secretive and hiding stuff, red flags, potential substance use disorders happening here today. So if I believe that someone I love, you know, has a disorder, where do we go from there? How do I help them? First and foremost, never stop loving your loved one. But then that begs to ask the question of what is love? Love doesn't mean that I go behind my loved one and I clean up all their messes and, you know, I, I just make sure everything keeps happening as it's supposed to. 
Sometimes love means taking my hands off the situation and backing away and allowing the natural consequences to happen. As a family member, this is extremely hard because it hurts. And we don't wanna see our loved ones get into any trouble or get hurt in any way. But unfortunately, sometimes what happens is our loved ones aren't ready to get help. And sometimes they need a little motivation. And if I'm constantly cleaning up and not setting healthy boundaries, I potentially is the term enabling them to continue the behavior and the use. Most importantly is being able to talk to them and get them to help if they're willing. So begin to have a conversation with them and keep the conversation going. Those are the most important things you can do. Now, many healthcare workers see patients come into the emergency room, you know, multiple times. And how do they combat that compassion fatigue and just seeing these people over and over? Compassion fatigue is definitely a real thing, especially when we talk about substance use disorder. And even so, you know, we're in the midst of COVID. So understanding first and foremost, as a healthcare professional, it's our duty to really take care of ourselves. That's what we have control over. I know it is hard today, probably harder today than it's ever been, if I'm honest, because our ability to be spontaneous has really been taken from us due to COVID. Today, we need appointments for anything. But what I challenge you to do is scale it back. So when I talk about taking care of yourself, maybe it means reading a book, taking a bath, going for a walk, seeing a therapist for yourself. Now that may sound, you know, different when I say seeing a therapist for yourself, but the thing is on the front lines of healthcare work, and especially when you see people coming in multiple times due to substance use disorder, it does begin to take a toll. Seeing somebody overdose, that, that's trauma. And you need time to process through that for yourself. And it's very real. I think another really important thing to do when we're combating compassion fatigue, specific to substance use disorder, is being able to see the patient as connected to somebody. So for instance, when I say that the patient before me could be a mother, could be a brother, a sister, a daughter, you know, when we begin to see them as humans, that's when our empathy grows rather than the disease that's consumed them and stolen them from their loved ones. So anytime we can bring that relationship into the care, it's very important and it helps combat the compassion fatigue. If I'm a healthcare worker and there are people in my family that are suffering with substance abuse, I mean, how do I kind of compartmentalize those things if a patient triggers me and, you know, remembering my own family. I like that use, the use of the word compartmentalize as, because when, when we walk into the place of work, it is helpful to think of it as I'm leaving that outside because it can be very triggering oftentimes as we're beginning to work with these patients. And you know, when we use the word trigger, a lot of people automatically associate it with substance use, right? 
However, I think it's really important to understand too that we can be triggered due to anything because triggers come from life experiences. For instance, you know, if I grew up in a house where domestic violence was present, you know, just something flying by my face could trigger me or, you know, somebody moving really quick could trigger me. And that means that it brings an intense emotional response. And to be aware of that is really important. The awareness is the beginning of working with the triggers. I think it's also important as healthcare professionals to remember why we got into this work. Because when we're reminded and we feel a sense of purpose with our work, that helps combat some of these areas. And to remind ourselves too, when we talk about compartmentalizing, looking at the patient and even having an internal thought process, reminding ourselves, this is not my loved one. This is the patient. Because when we can process through that, then we can do our job in taking care of the patients without that emotional connection that could take us off. And again, you know, a lot of this work really lives with a professional counselor in that individual setting so that we can process through and so that we can be our best selves as we carry out our mission and our jobs. Now, wrapping up here, it sounds like a lot of what you're saying, whether you're a healthcare worker or the loved one of someone who is dealing with this, you know, it's just seeing the person behind the disease when it comes to how you can interact and help them. Do you have any other tips just moving forward if you are the loved one or you are the caretaker or you have a coworker friend of someone who is dealing with this disorder? Yes. First is get educated. Education is is so helpful as we continue to navigate this disease, especially, you know, as a community, getting help for yourself, having a safe space to process out whatever it is that you're experiencing. Language is, is an important piece of this because when we begin to use healthier language, it actually begins to reduce the stigma. So when I say that, for instance, Somebody may call somebody an addict, a junkie, or a druggie. Instead of saying that, being able to say, you know, it's a person with a substance use disorder. Or somebody saying ex-addict or they're clean. No, that's a person living in recovery. You can actually feel the shift as I, as I say the two. Some other language that sticks out is... You know, for instance, medication is a crutch when we talk about substance use disorder. A lot of times people will talk about MAT or medication-assisted treatment. Especially here at Ashley, we look at it that medication is a treatment and it's a tool in the treatment. So if we're looking at it through the disease lens, if my loved one has depression, it makes sense that they would take medication to help level out and make them productive, work through their depression, along doing counseling. We've also, instead of using medication-assisted treatment, we use the term medication-supported recovery. Again, you hear the difference. It's more positive. It's more uplifting. Because our loved ones that are suffering from substance use disorder live in a, in a place of shame, blame, and guilt, 
as a family member or a healthcare professional, you may not see that from that person, but I promise you that's where they're living. So if we can come alongside of them and walk along with them with healthy boundaries, we can begin to change the cycle here. And then just like you said, seeing our loved ones or the patients more than, you know, what their disease is. I like to talk about scarred lenses. We talk a lot about like theoretical abstract things, right? So when I'm born, it's like putting glasses on my face. They're clean, they're clear, they're new. However, as life happens, they begin to change colors. Maybe they get darker or maybe they get scratched. And when we talk about substance use disorder, when I'm talking to healthcare professionals or family members, a lot of times we have glasses on that are very jaded and extremely scratched when a patient or a loved one comes into our care. And to be able to acknowledge that these glasses are scarred and take them off and see the person for who they are that's powerful. And then of course, Ashley has resources and you can visit our website at www.ashleytreatment.org. We have a family services page where we have a host of resources specific for family members. And I believe they would be well-received by the healthcare professionals as well, reading recommendations. And then we also have our phone number where you could call us at 1-800-799-HOPE. Oh my, Laura, that gave me chills, that analogy about glasses. It's really incredible just to hear the way you are changing addiction care and how people view it. If you or someone you know needs help, please visit ashleytreatment.org and know you are never alone in this battle. Thank you for listening. I'm Caitlin White. Stay well.